You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name's Christian Collie, and with me this week is Gavin Phillips. How's things going with you? Oh, they're going really well, Christian. The sun is still shining in Cornwall, and uh, long may it last. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, it's surprisingly the sun is still shining in this uh, <laughs> typically cold, wet, and damp corner of the United Kingdom, so a uh, little bit unusual. Uh We've got for you the latest tech news that matters, things that impact how you use technology. Um, we've got some tips and tricks, and we'll also finish with our recommendations. We're going to start with news that Microsoft has revealed that its uh, early June disruptions to Outlook and its cloud platform were cyber attacks. Nice of them to let us know. There was a spread of serious service disruptions plaguing uh, Microsoft's flagship Office suite, which include the Outlook email and OneDrive file sharing apps. Microsoft has now disclosed that DDoS, distributed denial of service attacks, were to blame. And a shadowy hacktivist group that claimed responsibility has indeed been confirmed as the uh, attacker. Uh, things are a little bit bad when the world's largest are they the largest tech company in the world i'm not sure they're certainly the largest tech company with heavy leverage in the corporate space aren't they so you know microsoft is the company that uh, corporations organizations non-profits rely on for their servers for their computing for their office software one would hope that they would be immune or certainly would come clean a lot sooner, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and given the language that Microsoft were using around uh, what we know now is an attack, uh, they spent quite a long time calling it technical issues because, of course, um, it doesn't. It didn't suddenly appear overnight. This has been an ongoing attack that's been going on for weeks. And, of course, people in... Uh, corporate environments were going what on earth is going on here why why are things not working why why are all of our back-end services failing uh and microsoft for some reason uh there's been no sort of further reporting on this decided to keep shtum about it for weeks and weeks um until they really quietly crept the announcement blog out for this attack as well they didn't do their normal sort of um they normally post blogs like this on their social media so everybody can read the technical details um understand you know what needs to be updated um for like network um administrators and what have you but they, yeah. they didn't do any of that they just sort of they snuck it out really quietly um on the 16th so yeah really late on a friday as well when everybody's logged off for the weekend so it's a very strange approach to this from microsoft uh, Jake Williams is a prominent cybersecurity researcher and former National Security Agency offensive hacker. He has said, we really have no way to measure the impact if Microsoft doesn't provide that info and that he was not aware of Outlook previously being attacked at this scale. This whole approach to the um, uh, revelation and confirmation of the attack leads me to wonder whether a uh, key vulnerability has been exploited that they want to keep under wraps for the time being. 
Yeah, that could be the case. Um, interestingly enough as well, uh, other commenters were keen to point out that it wasn't actually um, an enormous DDoS attack in terms of the, the grand scale of how big they can get. So some of the Ooh. biggest ones we've seen uh, are called what's called a volumetric DDoS attack, which is where the attack is amplified and amplified and amplified mm -hmm. many, many times over to increase the level of traffic that denies the service to everyone else. But that didn't happen in this case. So the techniques that were being used um, were much, much older, suggesting that they were maybe something a bit more basic in some yeah. ways. They were targeting something that didn't need such a high volume uh, to knock it offline or, or to affect its service. So there's a lot of... There's a lot of different factors going on here that don't quite add up. Indeed. And uh, sticking with Microsoft, uh, music to some people's ears. Uh, there's probably a sound effect for this. <laughs> the Federal Trade Commission is asking for US courts to stop Microsoft from acquiring Activision Blizzard while the government's bigger case to block the merger plays out. The FTC had uh, filed a legal challenge and is now seeking a temporary restraining order and injunction, reports The Verge. Uh, this uh, follows UK regulators' decision to block the acquisition. Uh, European uh, EU in Brussels uh, gave the go-ahead to the deal. So uh, it's all a little bit confusing for everybody. No one really knows what's going on. But I'm, I'm, I, I am stead. I've, I've seen a lot of people that I previously thought were reasonably sane, <laughs> um, de de declaring a, a block to this uh, merger as or acquisition because it is really an acquisition as, as as being a bad thing. But I can only see it as being a good thing. So yeah, it's it's still up in the air. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, as we've said before uh, on the, on the pod, I'm I'm glad that it's been shot down uh, first by the UK, now by the US. Whether it maintains shot down by the US is another thing. Cause there's always yep. different uh, backroom levers that can be pulled, shall we say? Are you talking um, about envelopes with stuff money? Uh, maybe Manila white envelopes. I mean, whatever tickles <laughs> your fancy. Um, the whole thing of wanting to unite two of the biggest companies in tech, Microsoft and Activision, is just it's bad for consumers. Why why anybody would see this as a positive mood is beyond me, when all we've seen from mergers of this nature in the past is that services get cut, games yeah. don't get made, stuff falls off. It's just, it's not good. Nothing about it feels good, so I, I, I just don't know why there's... Uh... A lot of people sort of uh, supporting this. And finally, for the news, Elon Musk. No, he hasn't. Um, but Twitter is being sued by music publishers for $250 million, claiming that uh, the platform has enabled copyright violations. Uh, there's 17 music publishers involved and the violations cover 1,700 songs or thereabouts, which is... Obviously, there's a lot more songs in the world than just 1,700. So it would uh, one would imagine that it's very specific, um, very popular songs that are being uh, targeted here. And, of course, it's, I mean, I, I have no particular affection towards uh, Elon Musk, really, but it does feel a little bit kind of opportunistic. Why, why is this happening now? Elon Musk owns Twitter, 
and not uh, you know not prior to his purchase. It's not people haven't just suddenly started uh, sharing music on Twitter, have they? No. Is this is this posting direct links to tracks, or is this like putting tracks on videos that people have made? Well, I don't. I don't fully understand where they're coming from with this. No, it it doesn't. I mean, you can upload music to Twitter, can't you? These days, you put audio or play audio. You can. You've got the spaces. The 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 audio upload thing that didn't come. That they did they not pull that? I think they. Yeah, that's what I think. So you can still you can still hold uh, an audio space where you can talk to each other, but there's no. um, So I mean, is it people making films and then like short clips with the music playing? That's why I said with the reference to Twitter and other services that do allow that. So that's one of, uh, not Twitter, sorry, uh, TikTok. That's one of the key things you can do on TikTok. And uh, Facebook now has similar functionality with their version of shorts. So you can put a specific track over the top of it, which, yeah, I mean, it should be licensed to make sure people are getting their their dues. But um, like you said, to come at them now after they've, been up there for so long i wonder if there is something to do with it as well so uh after elon musk took um took ownership of twitter he massively raised the uh video capacity um for people with a blue or subscription so they can now post like up to a two-hour video so suddenly people were suddenly posting full films on twitter where that was a limitation on the platform for a specific reason to stop them encountering that sort of copyright issue. And, uh, you know, in Musk's infinite wisdom, because it allows people to post full length videos of other stuff. But the consequence of it is obviously people, yeah, use it to, I think people, there was a film, I think it was the Super Mario Brothers film, wasn't it? A few months back, people were posting links to that over and over again, but not even links to it, embedding the actual film on Twitter. <laughs> oh dear. Um, the National Music Publishers Association is seeking more than $250 million and adds that infringements, beg your pardon, infringements have given Twitter an unfair advantage over TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. So they all pay for music licenses. I thought maybe it might be embeds, but I think initially I thought it must be embeds, but it, it does seem to be. Uh, Something slightly different going on here. Another thing I wonder is, I've heard rumours that uh, Twitter might actually be in the black following uh, Musk's purchase. So if that's the case, if I've heard this rumour, presumably the NMPA have also heard this rumour and thought themselves, well, here's an opportunity. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, there's the whole thing the other day as well there about... Um Twitter being kicked out of their offices in whatever US city it was because they've not paid the rent for a year. <laughs> it's like that's that's one way to boost your finances, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Just don't pay the rent. <laughs> yeah. oh. Okay, we're going to move on to the um, tips and tricks and features section of the podcast now, and. Uh, in last week's show, we talked about the um, the new Apple headset, didn't we? The Apple Vision Pro, and it's um, yeah, slightly amusing uh, visage, as it were. But that's not the only thing that was announced at the time. 
Uh, if you use Apple TV, you have got the opportunity of a load of new features with TV OS 17. I thought it might be a good idea to go through these. I'm going to be honest, I haven't used Apple TV in any form, aside from watching things, in uh, quite a long time. So I don't have an, we have an Apple TV box, which is one of those quite uh, old ones. In fact, it's, one of, it's the one that you can't do anything to. So you can't hack it or anything like that. The, 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 I think it's either the second or third generation. You can't put you can't put Cody on it or do anything like that. It's either use it and then it doesn't take any more versions of TVOS because it's too old. So you just have to stop using it. You can't do anything with it. Very frustrating. Mm. Um, what about you? Are you uh, have you got an Apple TV? No, not at all. Um, I'm not a huge Apple user at all, to be honest. Um, my uh, eldest has uh, an iPhone something <laughs> uh but that's that's about the the length and breadth of apple products in our house we were um right. f- fully committed to either microsoft or open source <laughs> my wife has an iphone and an ipad so i uh i'm forced to put up with it um <laughs> that's 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 apple not my wife obviously i'm not forced to put up with my wife i love her dearly yeah. Um, so, just in case uh, you're listening, darling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, Pat. Uh, so anyway, uh, so there's a bunch of new features have come along with TVOS. Uh, number one, there is FaceTime on the big screen. Uh, this leverages the continuity camera feature to let other devices borrow your iPhone's camera and microphone. It looks like a really good feature, the sort of thing people needed during lockdown, basically, isn't it? Yes. That's definitely. what we wanted. Oh my god, yeah, that would have been so much better than Zoom. With the way that Apple products work as well, I bet that's seamless as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also third-party support <clears throat> for voice over IP and VPN apps. Um, previously, things have been a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say clunky there, but just a bit difficult. It's difficult to use, um, like to, to, to configure VPNs correctly uh, with um, an Apple TV, and now you can do that there's a revamped control center things been uh, regrouped and made it more intuitive uh, there is the ability to find a misplaced siri remote on a slightly different uh, topic but still remote controls i may have mentioned this on the podcast before my dad once lost an amazon fire remote uh, fire tv remote for about six months so eventually, after um, using the app version, we decided, um, look, just buy a new one, Dad, because he kept sort of misplacing his phone or, you know, people would ring him while he's trying to change channel or whatever. Buy a new one, Dad. So he bought a new one, put the box down the side of his chair, where it turned out there was another box, an empty box from something else that had been received, and inside that other empty box was the missing remote. What? <laughs> yeah. If only there was some way of tracking it. Well, Apple look like they're ahead of the curve here. Uh, Siri Remote cannot be tracked in the Find My app, but TVOS 17 enables you to use a nearby iPhone to locate a lost or re- misplaced Siri Remote within Bluetooth range. That looks really useful. I uh, I think that's going to be something that's going to spread to other platforms. I have no idea why they haven't already, because it seems like quite an obvious thing to do given that these remotes nearly all use bluetooth 
given um, you have the same technology and so many other things like uh, finding your earbuds, uh, yeah, uh, which is the exact same technology. All it requires is like an extra little bit of programming. Like why? Yeah, why hasn't this been done before? Yeah. And uh, then you've got Dolby Vision 8.1, enhanced dialogue and new Fitness Plus features added to TV OS as well. So that's looking really good. I'm uh, I'm almost tempted. And that's the kind of temptation where if we had a little bit extra money and we were in Curry's and Kerry said, shall we get a new, TV, uh, new Apple TV to replace the Roku? I might say yes. So that's, that's kind of good for me when it comes to Apple. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's... The thing with Apple TV as well is that they've done so much to bring a lot of unique uh, and original programming to the platform, haven't they? Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff there on top of the the upgrades we've just talked about. It's not like um, it's not like it was in the early days where people were like, "Wow, it's just another another platform you have to sign up for." But they've gone the whole hog. It's got original tech and, like I said, original programming. So yeah, it's well worth a look. I think. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this, of course, the uh, recommendation from uh, last week or the week before, Tetris the movie as well. That's on there. <laughs> on Make Use Of at the moment, there's a very interesting poll that I wanted to talk about, Gavin. Uh, the question is, if all social platforms closed down tomorrow, would your life be better or worse? And there are four options. So much better better but i'd miss social media worse at first but eventually better and worse because i would lose community support uh, at the time of me checking this there had been 1,969 uh, 1, votes do you perhaps want to guess what is winning um i think most people would think everything would just get instantly better <laughs> <laughs> yeah 50, all of the world's ills would be solved 52 <laughs> percent, so much better 20 percent better <laughs> but i'd miss social media 16 percent worse at first and 12 percent worse because i would lose community support that's insane so many people who almost certainly all use social media clearly think social media is the devil I think a lot of people have a very love-hate relationship with it, don't they? And, yeah. Uh, I'd also add that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, social platforms is quite a broad stroke. So there are some platforms that I wouldn't necessarily be fussed about losing. Others I think I'd be more upset about. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all have our favourites now, the ones that we don't like so much, don't we? So... Mm. I can imagine yeah, that being the case for many people. Yeah, yeah. If only what, what do you think? Um, oh, well, I don't know. Um, oh, it's a tricky one because, you know, there's, there are connections and you do find like-minded people and, you know, there plen plenty of people that I agree with on certain things that I wouldn't agree with on other things, just like in real life. But it's so it's, it, it, it becomes tricky. Is could I get through a week without using social media? Probably, yes. Uh, for instance, I can I can avoid Facebook uh, almost. Uh, you know, if I didn't have relatives who wanted to see photos of my children, I wouldn't use Facebook. Yeah, for sure. You know, so that that's out the window. Twitter, you know, there's a few interesting people on there, but largely it's not particularly adding anything to my life, so that's gone. And I don't really use Instagram that much, so... 
That's it. Would yeah. the world be a better place after that? Well, people had stopped being there. I mean, the thing about Twitter in particular is it's essentially, it's the closest we'll get, I beg your pardon, to telepathy. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, if everyone could read everyone else's thoughts, we'd either all kill each other or we wouldn't just all hide, you know, or, you know, wear lead helmets or something. So if, if it was like that 24-7, you wouldn't be able to cope, would you? So No, for sure. And the the role that certain platforms have played in stoking division, uh, you know, are, are well documented. So that side of it. So that was my initial reaction was it went to that side of, of the issues. Like, oh, if we didn't have things like, you know, Twitter or whatever, we wouldn't have so much uh, deeply polarizing stuff being posted all the time. And people wouldn't have the same capacity to vent to such a large amount of people all the time. But the community support side of it, a lot of people do need that. And it's actually like quite a good way for people to reach out and find people they wouldn't normally be able to find or yeah. you know, create community where they don't have anything uh, like locally, perhaps. So it's it's a it's quite a broad question, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's a bigger question than it at first appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's recommendations time. (laughs) And it's that part of the show where we uh, suggest something useful that you may like to check out yourself that we've experienced in the uh, past few days. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, cool. Um, So this week, Christian... um I've been getting stuck into uh, one of the best games of all time, Quake. Um, oh, yeah, I've been um, I've been going back and delving through. So I played through uh, the original campaign, which I love. Uh, I played through the Scourge of Armagon, which was the first official um, additional campaign, which is really really good fun. And then I remembered that I'd uh, read at some point that. Um, Bethesda, um, who now owned the, the, the Quake title, had brought a load of the Quake add-on titles, uh, like custom campaigns, into the Enhanced Edition, which is released on Steam. I believe it was also recently released on Nintendo Switch. And these add-on campaigns, basically, they're, they're custom campaigns. So it's like new maps, um, some new game modes. Uh, in some of them, you'll even get new monsters, which is really, really good fun. Um, so the main one I started playing was Quake Honey, which was originally released in 2012, so quite a way back. Uh, but it really holds up. Like the length of the map itself uh, is phenomenal. So a regular Quake map normally take you four or five minutes. You know, if you want to find every secret add a bit more on this one the first level of this map uh a it took me about 20 goes to complete it because it it loops round itself and has uh i think 135 monsters uh and they trigger at different times so you might think you've cleared an area but then you get looped back through it um and then suddenly it's filled with with monsters again that you're not expecting um and it generally creates a whole different sort of timeline for Quake. So that was Quake Honey. Uh, in the add-ons, as w- that one's Quake Honey. 
Another one I really enjoyed was uh, Quake Rubicon 2, which um, sets you up in um, like an industrial plant. And this one features loads of new uh, textures. So the game actually looks um, different to the original Quake. There's lots of new little uh, bits for you to notice and see. Uh, and this is one of the ones that features new monsters. I won't give anything away because if you go and look at it, it's, it's really, really good fun. Um, but some of it, they're just so incredibly detailed. Uh, the amount of effort and time that the authors put into these custom campaigns just makes them so, so worth going to have a look at. And for me, I was like, God, why haven't I done this ages ago? Like, so I played a few custom maps back in the day. Uh, you know, when you could finally start playing custom Quake maps. But I think it's probably been more than a decade since I even thought about looking at custom Quake maps. So, yeah, go onto your Quake account if you've already got Quake. Um, you'll find a section called Add-ons and you can select the custom campaigns you want to play. Wow, I haven't played Quake in ages. It holds up. The gameplay holds yeah. up so well. It was so ahead of its time. Cool. Uh, one thing, why is it called Quake Honey? Uh, I do not know. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Right, uh, well, my recommendation, I, I did have something specific in mind, but I haven't been able to do it. So instead, uh, I'm going to refer to something that I'm reviewing at the moment, which I'm hoping to submit today, so it should be up around the time you hear this podcast or within a day or two, which is the System76 Pangolin Laptop. These are available from sort of thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars upwards. These are really high-end, lightweight ultra books, really powerful. I was um, very kindly given one to evaluate and to my own specification as well. Uh, so I, I got it with um, some extra storage. I'm absolutely blown away by not just how fast it is and how much I can get done with it and how flexible it is with its connections. It's got a USB Type-C port for all those sort of branch out uh, docking stations and stuff like that, if you wanted to. Um, it also has a beautiful keyboard and a perhaps the most um, responsive and... Yeah, responsive is the best word, word for it. And, but also satisfying. It almost feels nice to touch. The touchpad on this on this laptop. You know, I've um, used a ton of laptops over the past few years. Maybe, uh, I'm going to say six or seven over the past decade. It's probably a few more than that. Uh, but at length, uh, probably six or seven. It's easily got the nicest keyboard and the nicest touch. By far and away, the nicest touchpad. It's just so satisfying to touch and use. You've, it's responsive. When you click it, you get nice feedback from it. Um, a few days ago, my uh, main computer's keyboard broke, so I had to um, go out and buy a new one. I accidentally bought one that's about... The keys are about two millimetres too high for me, which I found really frustrating. So I found myself writing a lot on the um, Pangolin. And, oh, wow, it's such a good machine for typing on. Now, these are laptops that come with Linux pre-installed, you choose between uh, System76's own operating system, which is Pop OS, or you can use the latest version of uh, Ubuntu. Pop OS is based on Ubuntu, but it's a little bit different. Overall, I'm absolutely blown away by this particular Linux laptop. It also has a kill switch. I've got another Linux laptop that has two kill switches, but um, it's I, f I find it a little bit uh, 
challenging to use at times, not to do with the kill, kill switches, but sometimes the, the keyboard's a little small for me, and the, there's a few issues with the battery. But with the Pangolin, I haven't had any of those problems, and I'm just really, really excited. So it's a, I'm very, very impressed, as you can tell. So that would be my recommendation. If you are a Linux user or you wanted to get away from Microsoft Windows or Mac OS and use a uh, high-end, ultra-portable, productivity-focused laptop, then definitely consider the uh, what's on offer from System76. Incidentally, I've also inst successfully installed Red Dead Redemption on it through Steam. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, does, <laughs> so, does, it, does it run okay? Yeah. Well, well enough? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very pleased. Um, so that's Red Dead Redemption Two, I should say, not Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, two. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's my recommendation. Oh, that sounds really good. I've seen the System Seventy Six laptops before, and they do look really, really nice. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm. I can't remember how I managed to come by. I think I might have just emailed them out of the blue uh, for this one. So I do do that occasionally. So I haven't reviewed anything System76 before, so I must have just emailed them. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, really impressed with it. And, uh, I mean, they do they do desktops as well, and they do mini systems also. But uh, I'm tempted to... Uh, I have to send it back, but I'm tempted to buy it. I'm that impressed with it. So so that's that. That's, um, that's my recommendation. And that brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Uh, now... A little bit of a warning, over the next few weeks, uh, we won't be having any news as uh, I'm going on holiday. So uh, everything that you will hear for the next, uh, I think it's the next three episodes after this, uh, will be uh, things that we haven't shared with you previously, but obviously we have recorded them. And we'll be back with news at some point in either late July or early August, I haven't quite got my calendar brain on at the moment now if there's uh, anything that you've heard that you're interested in finding out more you'll find the links in the show notes if we've told you anything really useful please share it if you've uh, heard something that we've said that you think someone you know would uh, benefit from then again please share that and we'll be back with a new show next week thanks very much until then it's goodbye goodbye